He was one of those civilized individuals who did not insist upon agreement with his political principles as a precondition for conversation or friendship. People around here don't care about DACA. They don't care about Me Too, I'm Black Too, or transgender bathrooms. Period. A trade war with China? Bring it on. Most people in western Pennsylvania support it. They've been blaming the Chinese for stealing their jobs for 40 years. Democrats used to fight for this stuff. This is Mike Romai, and you're listening to the Live Mike Podcast on the Social Voice Project. Today we're going to tackle an issue that's very important to many parents and taxpayers around the area, and that issue is... uh, Public funding for education. Now, I know that people have been complaining about it for years, especially seniors who complain their taxes are too high and going up and the funding mechanism isn't right and that it's driving them out of their homes. But there's also a problem with our school districts in the way they're funded because some districts get more funding, uh, have, have the ability to get better funding than other school districts. We're talking with Mary Niederberger. Uh, she is a writer with Public Source. Uh, Public Source is a unique publication that you can find online at publicsource.org because they do writing the way you used to remember it in your local newspaper. They do in-depth coverage on these stories. And Mary has done a series on public education and funding. And Mary, welcome to the live mic. Hi, Mike. Thank you for having me. Well, I appreciate you uh, being willing to talk about uh, this very important issue because of the fact that it has been going on for some time. Now, I'm a Beaver County resident, and uh, I know of the Central Valley School District, the the, uh, merger between Center High School and Manaka. It seems like that was an easy fit. Both schools are, are pretty much demographically the same. Uh, so, but there were still some arguments and some pushback on, on trying to merge the two. It's a success story by most people's accounts. But is that something that's possible for other districts around the state, and especially southwestern Pennsylvania? Well, what I can tell you, it's possible if it's done the same way that Center and Manaka did it, which is two districts who were both working to make it happen. But there is nothing in the state law that allows the State Department of Education or the State Secretary of Education to force it. So the only way it can happen is if you have two or more voluntary school districts that want to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, The series that you wrote for Public Source was Failing the Future. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, that's a series um, we embarked on in actually in the fall of 2017, right after the Supreme Court uh, of Pennsylvania decided that a case that had been filed about school funding should go to a hearing. Um, There was a handful of school districts, uh, the Education Law Center and some NAACP and some other organizations that sued Pennsylvania over its, um, its funding system, which relies very heavily on local real estate taxes. And, and the lawsuit asks that a, a new funding system come into place and more money be given to education. So we've been following that, and, and initially it was thrown out of Commonwealth Court. Once the Supreme Court said it deserved a hearing, we decided to go out and um, show through our reporting specific examples of what the lawsuit talked about 
um, in terms of the huge disparities in wealth between school districts. Mm -hmm. And is that because the tax base in some of our districts, uh, and we'll take you for an example here in Beaver County, uh, the Beaver School District, compare it to, say, the Aliquippa School District. There's a great disparity there. Yes, absolutely. You know, if you look into the history of things, I mean, there was a time when Aliquippa was booming. You had the huge mill. It employed tens of thousands of people, I believe. But it, it, it like many of the school districts that, that struggle now, their former industrial towns were either the steel mill or some other industry left, and that was the bulk of the real estate tax revenue that built the school system um, when it was first built. Um, but yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And why does that occur? Is it because the tax base in Aliquippa has dwindled so significantly over the past 30 years while the tax base in Beaver continues to grow? Absolutely. I mean, your, ta your tax base, uh, the basis for your local tax revenue is the homes in your community. Um, and then also any retail, industrial commercial property that you have. And I, I believe in Aliquippa, there's not much in the way of commercial retail or industrial. So everything would be coming off the backs of the homes. And I don't think the homes are valued. Um, they're not very expensive. So, you know, when you're levying your taxes, you're levying it on a very small assessed value as opposed to a community that has supermarkets and gas stations and maybe some kind of industrial plant or better yet, a mall. Any, any school district that has a mall has lots of money. So, as I said in the introduction, uh, seniors have been complaining about the school funding system for years, saying they're no longer in the workforce and they're stuck on Social Security or uh, they, they have a fixed income uh, and they can't afford to pay it anymore. Many of them have been driven out of their homes. Uh, the flip side of that, though, is that the students, as, as we continue to argue about the tax base, the students are the ones who are losing out because in the smaller districts, uh, they're not able to offer the classes that many of these students need to go to college. Is that correct? That's correct. And, and, and the argument that you were talking about with senior citizens and probably a lot of low wage earners and people also as well, you know, people who are still working, it's hard to afford your property taxes. It's hard to afford increases in your property taxes. Um, one of the things that that's the lawsuit in Commonwealth Court is looking at is to throw out this system that relies heavily on local real estate property taxes and create a new system um, with some other kind of taxes or some other kind of revenue stream. I mean, for instance, in the state of Washington, there was a similar lawsuit dragged on for years. But um, eventually now what they've done is they've they've increased statewide taxes and they fund the schools more from the state, and they've put a cap on local real estate taxes. So I'm not saying that's what's going to happen in Pennsylvania, but that's one example of how another state handled this exact same situation. What kind of uh, response do you get from lawmakers uh, when the idea of a merger is proposed? Uh, they, they don't like to talk about mergers uh, because they know their constituents don't want them. Here in Allegheny County, the last forced merger was uh, Woodland Hills, and that was not a state uh, merger. The federal court um, ordered that. And, you know, it's referred to as the school district that nobody wanted. It's never been successful. Um, and, and, and that's left, you know, a bad memory in everybody's brain. So lawmakers don't like to talk about forcing mergers because 
people associate their school districts, that's that's the identity of their community. And even in the poor communities where there aren't a lot of resources, folks don't want to see their schools closed down and the kids sent up to the bigger school district. Each community likes to keep its school system. So as long as that's the way the local voters feel, the legislators are not going to vote in favor of it. Political suicide in many instances. Correct. I think there was a, a, a quote in my one story where um, a former legislator said the toughest animal to kill is a high school mascot. <laughs> well, and, uh, and and that was something that uh, had to be hashed out between Center Township and and the school district of Manaka. Would they be uh, would they continue to be the um, the Manaka Indians? And uh, Center Valley, what were they called? I can't even remember. But now um, uh, they were able to compromise and come up with it. Uh, so the football team is very important as well. Education doesn't get talked about a whole lot when we talk about mergers. But that school mascot and the school pride through the football teams is very important to people. That's correct. Well, now, um, Stowe Rocks and Clareton, uh, Montour and West Jefferson Hills, uh, you also point out in your article, uh, in the poorer districts, and whether you're talking about, we go back to Midland and Beaver. Uh, Midland had to Midland students had to go to East Liverpool, Ohio, because Correct. Beaver didn't want them uh, there. And there was, you know, it took a couple of years, and then they came up with the cyber school, uh, which kind of uh, solved that issue at least for a while. But when you get students, and we have to be honest about it. A lot of times in the poorer districts, you have a uh, a larger black demographic, student body, and some of those other districts, you know, race is involved here as well, isn't it? Sure. There, there's no denying that. There's no denying that race is involved with this. And so uh, how do you get around that? Is it something that the go Governor Wolf can do on his own, or is it going to take money to sweeten the pot for some of these districts and say, here, here, this is what we'll do for you if you merge? And that has happened. I mean, the, uh, one of the other examples we have in Allegheny County is Wilkinsburg wanted to needed to close its high school a couple of years ago. There were too few students, too little money, and they approached their suburban neighbors, Penn Hills and Woodland Hills, and they wouldn't take them. But the city of Pittsburgh said they would take them. And so the Department of Education threw another $3 million toward that merger. It's the same thing in, in Duquesne. This dates back to, gosh, 2007 when they closed Duquesne High School. Um, and the legislature actually did get involved because they couldn't work out a voluntary agreement. The legislature passed legislation then that forced West Midland and East Allegheny to take the uh, the uh, the West or the Duquesne kids. And and as a result, there's an extra two million dollars a year that goes toward helping to finance that relationship. So we had a sit down with um, State Secretary of Education Pedro Rivera back in July, and that's basically what he said. He said, "I can't force anything, but I can incentivize." Uh, so that's that's the stance that the Department of Ed takes now. But when you have a wealthy district like Montour, you know, they, they've they got the, the mall um, at Robinson. I'm not saying that they don't need money, but I don't think an extra two or three million is enough to make them take the kids from Stowe Rocks. I think some districts are wealthy enough that whatever the state would throw their way, doesn't that make much of a difference in their systems? I think what you probably need are the way sort of Senate and Manaka, I think, were both um, 
struggling with their budget. And so it was helpful to join forces. I don't think Montour struggles. I don't think West Jefferson, they would argue, you know, uh, but they're not struggling with their budget the way Aliquippa and Stowe Rocks are, where they're trying to close these multi-million dollar deficits. Mary Niederberger is our guest. She's an investigative reporter for the website Public Source at publicsource.org. They do a lot of investigative reporting. We're talking about school mergers and the cost emotionally and financially uh, for people in the outlying districts. What about uh, administrations? Your articles go into the idea of uh, when you talk about consolidation, you can also consolidate administrations, uh, clerical work, uh, uh, staffing, uh, a number of other things. I think this is on a smaller scale. If you look at Blackhawk High School and uh, Western Beaver High School, I believe they're sharing the same superintendent. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and how, how much more costly is this to have separate entities? I mean, I think I think that is a, an example that the Secretary of Education would probably really like if he knows about it. I didn't know about that when I interviewed him, but um, I think those are the kind of things that he says he would like to see, sharing of resources in any way that you can. And actually what I found in my reporting is I, I've seen more of that um, and, and, and more of an openness toward that in Beaver County than I have in Allegheny County. I don't, I don't see sharing in Allegheny County. Um, I see districts holding on to their own turf. Other than Pittsburgh willingly taking Wilkinsburg, I, I can't think of a lot of sharing. I can't think of any specific examples right now of sharing between districts in Allegheny County. So that, you know, there, there has to be the willingness on the part of the school districts. And you have to remember, too, politics gets involved in some of this. For every single bus driver job or um, cafeteria worker job, you know, <laughs> those are jobs that school board members can hire people for. Okay. And the way politics works is maybe that's how you get elected. Maybe that's how you stay in office. I mean, when you're, when you're giving up some of that stuff, you're giving up some of your uh, local authority and some people would say giving up some of your local control. Yeah, exactly. So why aren't the taxpayers then? Because those elected officials uh, would pay attention if there was some sort of a revolt from the taxpayers say, we're not going to pay this anymore. Uh, you look at uh, some of the student enrollment in, in the smaller schools, and, and it's under 100 for some places, the, right. uh, the graduation rate especially. And then it's in the thousands for other school districts. What are those students losing in the smaller enrolled schools? School, enrollment schools uh, because they don't they can't offer particular classes college prep classes yeah they're probably not having access to um, advanced placement courses or college prep courses or even a wide variety of, of electives uh, they're probably also not having exposure to a lot of extracurricular activities I mean if you've only got 100 kids you're not putting on a high school musical um, limited athletic experiences uh, they're probably not going outside of the district a lot because transportation, you know, every time you send somebody outside of the district, you have to pay for a bus. So both their academic and their extracurricular and their access to technology um, and, and STEAM kind of uh, uh, projects and classes, that's what they're missing out on. So 
they're probably heading to college not as prepared as the other kids that they're going to meet on campus. And does it make sense that some of these districts are are sharing resources? I think one of your stories was about uh, Aliquippa High School and uh, senior Eli Kosanovich uh, mm-hmm. in terms of physics uh, that he uh, he was taking. Uh, some of the other school districts, uh, Rochester, and, and again, this is Beaver County, Rochester and New Brighton are sharing certain things, but that's not necessarily cost saving as far as uh, the districts are concerned and the taxpayers are concerned, is it? Well, I guess there's two ways to look at it. It's more cost saving than Aliquippa hiring, trying to hire some teachers to teach AP classes. Um, but, but isn't it cost saving to society if we're giving adequate education to everybody in the long run and getting these kids into college or getting them into, you know, whether it's trade school or college. I mean, if, if you're not educating the kids properly, they don't graduate and go on to become citizens who hold down jobs and pay taxes and support schools for the next generation. What I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that uh, some of these districts, whether it's Aliquippa or Stowe Rocks, uh, uh, that have been decimated uh, when the steel industry collapsed and uh, those jobs and those property values are continuing to decline, uh, they're not going to be able to be saved. There has to be no. something done on a state level. Correct. They're, 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 not, they're not going to be able to save the way it stands now. Um, something is either going to have to be done at the state level or, or they'll just be more and more kids that graduate, that drop out, that graduate, that aren't adequately educated. I mean, when you look at the, um, about a month or so ago, the state just released all the, the test scores, the proficiency rates in, in the new, they call it the Future Ready PA Index, which is the way of assessing schools now. And you look at the proficiency rates in a Stowe Rocks or a Clareton, and in some cases, it's in the single digits in, in math and science and in reading. I mean, how how will those kids ever go on to be successful in life? And none of that's going to change as long as those systems stay the way that they are. If this continues uh, this way, uh, are we looking at a larger cyber school uh, enrollment? Is this the only option that some of these parents in these districts have? It is, although I have to say I think that has somewhat leveled off. Um, I mean, there, don't get me wrong, like in Duquesne, something like a third of the students in Duquesne go to cyber school. Um, and it may be the same. It, it's fairly high in Clareton as well. But I don't think that's growing every year. I think there's a certain contingent. But no, what I actually think happens as this continues is there's just, you know, kids from certain zip codes that are just being written off. I mean, that's what's happening. That's a sad commentary. It's a very sad commentary. And there's nothing that the districts are doing about it. And to this point, aside from recommendations, there's nothing the state's going to do about it. No, not unless not unless there's you know a big change in the legislature. If there if there would be an election at some point where the legislature would turn over and you would have more people sympathetic to education and changing it. Or with this lawsuit, okay, they recently set uh, the arguments for this lawsuit for the summer of 2020, Mm. which is a long way off, but but it's good. It's getting on the docket. It's going to happen. But the thing is, in the other states where these lawsuits have been successful, even from the time that you would get a ruling in your favor, it takes five, six, seven years before substantial changes are made because you have to figure out how you're going to raise the money 
you know, if, if, if they're lucky enough in this lawsuit where the court orders that a new system has to be put in place and a certain and three to four billion more need to be put into education, which is what the lawsuit suggests, the legislature then has to figure out how to make that happen. And, uh, and school districts, uh, they have to keep up. Public schools have to keep up with the times as far as uh, what's happening, not only educationally, but uh, mortar and brick, uh, brick and mortar buildings. Uh, they're constantly, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, yeah. well, what did you find out? Are they, are they brick and mortar buildings? Are, are they just a money pit? They are. And, you know, in Stowe Rocks, those kids are in a building that hasn't been renovated since, I think, 1975. The building's a lot bigger than they need it to be. Um, it's got a huge roof that leaks all the time. So when it rains, I mean, the floor is wet, the walls get wet. They put buckets or large garbage cans out in the hallway. Um, I mean, the superintendent is doing the best that he can to find money to patch the roof. But he's looking at, I think I think at last check, it was about a $3 million, $3.5 million deficit there in his budget. So the money, the money just isn't there. Their computers are old. The building is so old that they can't seem to get a consistent Wi-Fi through the building. So they have, they did get some grant money and they do have some Chromebooks, but they'll only work in certain parts of the building. So yeah, it's very difficult. Aliquippa, not so much. I think that, I think that school was renovated. I think the school that is the high school had been the junior high and it had been renovated. So that facility is, is looking better. Um, but, but definitely in Snow Rocks, the facility, it's an issue. It's sweltering hot in the summertime. It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, absolutely. People want to see the end of public education, and uh, it looks like the way to do that is just to starve them out. Well, yes. What was the biggest yes. surprise or disappointment you had in covering the story in the public source series? I would say there were two things. Uh, the first thing was that the superintendents and school officials in the wealthy districts won't talk about the issue. Um and then the other thing was when I talked to the kids, spent a lot of time with the kids in McKee's Rocks, Stowe Rocks, they they talked about everything that they didn't have. They were very well aware that the kids, you know, just two or three miles up in Montour had a very different educational and lifestyle experience. But they were accepting that they only deserved what they got because they lived in a poor part of town. And I thought that was really sad. A lot of a lot of the kids from Stowalks work up in that area around the mall, like in the uh, restaurants and the shops. And so they, they know, they know, and they've been up to the Montour campus. They see what they don't have and what the other kids have. And, and, and yet, and yet they, they, there isn't even a sense of outrage. There, there is just this absolute resignation and acceptance that, yeah, they get that because they live up there and we get this because we live down here. And many, many of those parents are stuck. They can't move to another district where right. a lot of realtors uh, will sell property based on the school district. And if you're not getting more people uh, to buy real estate in your district, you're not getting it to tax dollars. And again, they're just shifting the money across the county line or the borough line to send their kids to another school. Yes. Uh, Mary, uh, thank you for being with us. Uh, I really enjoy Public Source and the, uh, the articles, the in-depth reporting that you're able to do that. Do there. What, uh, what is it like from your end to be able to uh, cover these stories in depth? It's really fulfilling. I mean, I was a newspaper reporter for almost 30 years before I moved over to do this. And the newspaper business has become one where you're running from thing to thing to thing to thing and filling up the breaking news slots and uh, the ability to do this kind of work um, 
had faded away. So it's it's been very fulfilling to be able to do this at this point in my career. Well, thank you for sharing it with us today. Publicsource.org. Is there anything else we need to know about uh, the website? Well, visit our website, read our stories, click around. It's free. Uh, there's no paywall. And you can sign up for our weekly news digest where we send our, all of our stories out to you every week. So you don't even have to go looking for them. Thank you, Mary. All right. Thanks. This podcast is The Live Mike with Mike Roma on the Social Voice Project. If you like what you heard, make sure you like, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. You are listening to a production of the Social Voice Podcast Network.